This is my list of the top 10 things that I wish I knew before I started GMing. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of How to Be a Great GM. My name is Guy and today I'm going to be sharing with you the top 10 things. And I know I, it's, it's one of those lists, right? It's like the top 10 things, the top 10 things. And I, I genu genuinely... I genuinely like lists of top 10 things, actually. I'm not going to be apologetic about it. I watch those things, like the top 10 things you didn't know about Star Trek, the top 10 things you didn't know about Dungeons & Dragons, you're going, I knew, knew, knew. Ooh, didn't know that one. So there's always something to be found in these kinds of lists. So if you're an experienced GM, this might be something for you. If you are someone who is just starting out, if you haven't even GM'd yet, then I'm hoping that this list of top 10 things is going to encourage you to go, you know what? <laughs> Let's do this. Let's GM a game because that's ultimately what we want. We always say, oh, we need more GMs. We need more GMs. And the actual answer, the actual statement shouldn't be we need more GMs. The actual statement should be we need more good role players. We need more people who are going to sit at their table and have an absolute blast because they are empowered to do so rather than people who are a little bit scared, a little bit nervous. This is such an amazing hobby. I cannot, I cannot express enough to you how this hobby has changed my life completely, completely, from high school onwards. It's constantly teaching me new things, bringing to light stuff that I'm going, oh, mind blown, this is this and this. Uh, anyway, top 10, here we go. First one, you don't need to know the rules. You really don't need to know the rules. Now, I'm not saying that you make up all the rules on the fly. I'm not saying that you ignore rules. I'm not saying that you say, well, it might be Dungeons and Dragons, but we're going to use D12s instead of D20s. You are allowed to do that, by the way. You are absolutely allowed to say, well, we're going to drop out a D20 and make it a D12, and 1s are 1s and 12s are like 20s. You certainly could do that if you like. I mean, I don't know why you would, but you could. The bottom line is, is that you don't have to know all of the rules. You simply need to know the core rule, the basic rule, the rule that brings them all together. So a simple one in Dungeons and Dragons, it's a 1d20 and you have to roll higher or equal to than the number that you need to get, your difficulty number. That's it. That's the core rule. If you know that, you can play Dungeons & Dragons right now. Other games, let's say, for example, Talisman. You roll 3d6. If you roll above the number that you need to get, you succeed. It's as simple as that. So all of the mechanics that we use, they're all flavorings on top of that core mechanic if it's a well-written system that has been released in the last decade or so. Earlier systems sometimes had lots of different mechanics and that's why they didn't work so well necessarily or why they've evolved or changed or adjusted. And yes, I know there are some of you out there who like the old systems where we've got all the mechanics but that's not the point of today's video. So if someone had told me beforehand and you don't need to know the rules, I would have actually got into gymming a lot faster because it was such a burden to go, oh, I've got to remember every spell. I've got to remember every this. I've got to remember. You don't. Relax. <sighs> Relax. You don't need to know all the rules. Number two. And I only position this one as number two, not because it's less important or because it's, it's just as important. It's not your story. It's a collective story. Now, I, uh, I know that can be scary for some of us. You are responsible for triggering, triggering an event 
you trigger a single event and then what happens after that is entirely up to the players and the decisions that they make. You then trigger more events based on the actions that the players are taking, not on any other trigger at all. At least that's in my opinion. I'm not a simulationist. Don't worry about that if you don't know what a simulationist is. If this is your beginning game, it's your first game, you just want to play, you just want to have fun. Remember, it's not your story it's your event and you're triggering an event and watching what happens. And then collectively, you and your players are telling a story. Now, why do I say that? Why do I have so much emphasis on the story component? I have very seldom walked away from a role playing session where the players and the GM are going, wow, that was such a great rules call when you worked out the rule that you needed to make the call on. I have very little recollection of people being excited over that. I have recollection over people being excited on two things. One, where someone rolled miraculously three 20s in a row, and that was mind-blowing for everyone. Over that, you have no control as the GM, I'm sorry to say. And the other one is when they walk away going, I knew that Duke was evil, and I knew we shouldn't have trusted him, but we had to because of this, and we didn't... It's always the story that people remember and share when they're talking about their role-playing experiences. So if we focus on making that the best possible thing we can do, we don't have to worry about the rules. We don't have to worry about it being just your story. Because if you try and tell just your story, the five other people or the four other people sitting at your table are going to get bored and they're going to leave. And so it's not going to work. You might as well write a book. All right. Okay. Okay. Next. This is a tough one to swallow. You don't have to stick to the numbers. I have seen this more frequently as role playing has grown and as it has evolved. I have seen people going onto forums and onto Facebook and Discord and all that kind of stuff going, um, I, I need a monster that's this level and it's got this power and it's got these abilities, but there isn't one in the book. Firstly, firstly, and this is the most important thing, you don't ever need a monster's manual. You don't ever need a monster's manual. Whether it's for Star Trek or for Dungeons and Dragons, you don't actually need a book that contains the statistics and the values mechanically of the creature's that supposedly appear in your game. You are fully entitled to make them up. Think about that for a second. So if you need a monster that is going to challenge the party, but there isn't one in the book, just make it up yourself. It doesn't matter. The numbers, the mechanics of it. Yes, you want it to be balanced with the party if that's your kind of style of GMing, which is absolutely fine. That's okay. Then you need to understand the mechanics of how those monsters are created. And most, most games have got a section on making your own monster. They're pretty good on that. And then you can do that. But if you're not interested in that, if you're like me, you go, well, I just need this to be a big, scary monster that the characters can fight. So it's going to have lots of life and it's going to do quite a lot of damage. And I'm going to just use the numbers that I think are appropriate given my experience. But if you don't have an experience, then it's very, very easy. I would suggest always when you are starting out, when it's the first game that you're running, and again, this is advice for people who are just starting out the game and also for GMs who have been running the game for a long time. I've seen this as well. Sometimes the monsters just fall over when they get hit. 
If you think about most films that you watch, most television series that you watch, the bad guys, the monsters, usually it's one punch, one sword thrust, one judo chop to the neck, and they fall over and they don't get back up again. Why shouldn't your monsters be the same? Why should your monsters be a numbers slog fest? It doesn't make sense. Rather stick to the story and go, well, these monsters are not designed to kill the party. These monsters are designed to threaten the party, to make them sweat a little bit, but also to make them aware of the bigger bad who's hired these little underlings who's now trying to stop them. So maybe they fall over sooner rather than later because that's always better. Shorter combat will always win over longer combat in almost all circumstances. So the numbers that the monsters come with are not rules they are guidelines at the very best and you can change them so just just remember that okay never be afraid to run away never be afraid to run away so what do i mean by that why why am i saying never be afraid to run away your monsters should surrender this was something that I did not know. I didn't learn this. And so I became fixated with my monsters having to win. So I tried to make every combat. It's like, okay, well, if I make them win here, it's balanced because the party should be able to defeat them if they think cleverly, if they do this, if they do that. And so then the parties would die. Then I went in the opposite direction and I went, well, I don't want my hero monster, my big bad villain, to die in the first combat. So he's just going to escape and I'm going to just sneakily have him escape because I can say so. And that frustrated the players even more because then they could ever never defeat him. And they went, well, it doesn't matter what level we are. It doesn't matter what power we have. We can still get annihilated. Well, we, we still can't kill him because he's always going to have a secret sneaky escape plan, right? So what I had to realize was that the big bad, he might be terrifying, but he needs to be defeated sometimes. And the minions, the ones that are doing all the fighting, they need to surrender or run away sometimes. It's also good to encourage your fellow players to realize that their characters should sometimes run away. It's something that we forget. It's something that we don't really take into consideration of running away. It's very important that we do that. Um, so there we go. That's another one. They should be. Uh, they should run away. Another critical one, which I wish I had known. Everyone should have a goal. Everyone should have a goal. Every NPC, every monster. Heck, even every tree that's growing has a goal. Its goal is to grow more. So the reason why I say everything should have a goal is because when you think about it, the biggest challenge that some people face when they're running a game is not knowing what the characters that you are running as the GM, the NPCs, not knowing what they're going to do or how they're going to say or what they're going to say. And the easiest thing is just to go, well, what are they trying to achieve? And you go, well, I don't know. Well, then you're not living on planet Earth because you know what you're trying to achieve, hopefully. And that could very well be just to have lunch and then wait and see what happens until dinner. But that's still a goal. And so the way you're going to talk to people, if that's your goal, is going to be different from the way that you might talk to people if your goal is to take over the world by lunch you would have a very different approach. So what that does is it frees you again to just go, okay, cool, the blacksmith's goal today, I decide as the PCs are walking up to him, his goal is to make a nice necklace for his daughter. It's easy enough. Where did that come from? I don't know. I just reckon if I was a blacksmith and I had a daughter, I might make a necklace for her. 
you know, out of horseshoes or something practical that will teach her to be strong and grow up so that she can wield a hammer. Um, it, whatever. I mean, it, the goals don't have to make necessarily sense. But it just allows you to then go, okay, well, when the blacksmith is talking to the PCs, if they ask him to do anything that's going to prevent him from making this necklace, he's going to be reluctant. He's going to push back. He's going to go, well, I can't make it today. Tomorrow I'll be done with the commission. So then the PCs can try and haggle a little bit. They can try and, well, what do we, can we pay you if you do it today? And then he will eventually decide, well, you know what, actually, maybe I should. So if everything has a goal, when that druid casts speak with plants, what is a shrubbery thinking about? Really, what is a shrubbery thinking about? It's thinking about growing. It's thinking about sunlight. It's thinking about trying to 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 bud or to attract whatever it is that pollinates shrubberies. I don't know. Uh, but it's got a goal. So that when the druid says, oh, shrubbery, shrubbery, what is it that you know? The shrubbery will go towards the sun, towards the great light I must grow. And there is something stopping me, something trampling me that comes to and fro. You don't have to rhyme. That was just, uh, that was pure luck and experience from doing this a thousand times. But um, everything should have a goal. Okay, this is going to be a very long video. Sorry, folks. Um, where are we now? Uh, yes. Uh, oh, it's meant to be fun. And you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's not a point. Everybody knows that this is meant to be a fun game and you should be having fun whilst playing it. I cannot tell you how many people I have encountered, both players and GMs, who are not having fun. And they go, oh, oh. and I myself, I myself, I have days. It's my job, right? As, as a YouTuber, my job is to play games. And I have had days where I have gone, I just don't, I don't have it today. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to have fun today. I can't give you my players what I want to give you because I'm 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 not in the right mood. I'm just I'm not feeling it today. And I've cancelled games. And my game's alive. So there's viewers out there and suddenly there's this message, no game today. Why? Didn't feel like it. I mean that's a lame excuse. No, it isn't. This is about having fun and it's about group of people having fun so if the group of people if one of those people in that group is not having fun the rest are not going to be having fun either they're going to be picking up on that vibe and if you're the gm and it's just too much for you it's better to cancel than to just soldier through and just do stuff because you have to if you're not going to have fun stop reflect and understand why and let me tell you Every time I've cancelled that game, I've sat there going, I shouldn't have cancelled. Why did I cancel? Why did I cancel? And then the next week, my game is that much better because I'm enthusiastic to be back. I'm like, yes, I can't wait to play. Last week, it was nice to have a break and just settle in. But now I'm back and let's go, let's go, let's go, let's play, let's, let's, let's hit this, let's do this. So it is about having fun. All right, let's see. Uh, you don't need extra stuff. You don't need extra stuff. All of these books here. I don't have a lot of books. I don't have a lot of D&D books. I don't have a lot of any books for that matter. Um, because I need the core rule book. And that's it. If you want to collect the rest of the books, if you want to use those books and go, oh, I want that new expansion book because it talks about sort of ice stuff. Or I want that one because it talks about water stuff. Okay, brilliant, great. Then go get that book and look at it for inspiration. 
but you don't need it in order to play. This was something that we learned not by choice, but by necessity. When I grew up with, with role-playing, the only Dungeons & Dragons book we had, we had one copy of the book in our entire little village. We were the only ones, as far as we knew, playing anyway. There was no store to go and buy five more copies. We wouldn't have been able to anyway because the prices were so high in those days. But uh, they're still high, let's be honest. But you don't need all that extra stuff. You don't need figurines. You don't have to go and spend, you know, hundreds of dollars buying little plastic figurines. You don't. You really don't. You don't need to go and spend hundreds of dollars on maps and all that kind of wonderful stuff. Don't let my sponsor hear you saying that. Hear me saying that. Uh, maybe you should have said that. And then I wouldn't get in trouble. Anyway, you don't. You don't need that stuff. You can use a piece of paper and a pencil, and you are golden. Hell, you can even role play without dice as much as that pains me because I'm a habitual dice collector but you don't need that stuff to start playing you can just start playing use a pencil you shave off six sides and you've got a six-sided dice I used to do that in school all the time not because we couldn't afford dice but that way we could game during lessons don't advocate that you should do that that was a dumb move my science grade suffered as a result okay so you don't need all that extra stuff get that as and when you can afford to and when you when you are in such position that you can without affecting your life. Okay, not everyone is going to like your game. Not everyone's going to like your game. I have this YouTube channel and there are 180,000 people if you hit that subscribe button. I'm not saying that you have to. There are 180,000 people who supposedly agree with me, or at least disagree with me, but agree with me enough to want to come back and see what nonsense I'm going to cause them to disagree with. Sort of thing. Doesn't matter. I have infinitely large numbers of people who go, oh, I hate your games. I hate your games. You don't like the rules. You just make stuff up. And it's all just story with you. I where I want to survive because I've outwitted the system. And I'm going, there is no system. It's make-believe. In my head, anyway, that makes sense. But in their heads, it completely doesn't make sense. The whole point is to use the rules as the system and then to defeat the system. And the role of the GM in their minds is not someone to help guide and craft this collective story through triggering events, but is someone there just to interpret the rules so that everyone gets a fair experience. Very different, very different approaches. I've come to accept that. And I've also come to accept that there are players who will sit at my table and go, this was awful. Absolutely awful. It is what it is. And if it's your friends who are going, no, you, you're a bad GM, don't let that stop you. Don't let that stop you. Go find a group of people. Tablefinderwizard.com. It's your friend. We wrote it specifically for this. You can find people to play with. And nowadays, it's all Zoom play anyway. It's all online. You might as well capitalize on it. Go find a new bunch of friends who, who actually celebrate and support your GMing style. Okay. All right. So there we go. Um, next one. You're going to make mistakes. I hate it when people say that. When I was studying film, it's like, you're going to make mistakes. And when I was, you know, looking at GMing and stuff, it's like, you're going to make mistakes. Okay, great. How does that help me? Well, this is the thing. You're going to make mistakes. When you make that mistake, don't stop and give up. Carry on going, but look at the mistake and go, oh, yeah. My players were really unhappy when I turned them all into the undead. 
Why were they unhappy? What what was the reason for it? And talk to them and ask them and say, hey, why were you guys unhappy when I turned you undead? What what made you unhappy? And they might very well come back to you and say, well, we just it was so out of the blue and we were enjoying our characters so much and then suddenly you made us all undead for no reason. We all passed our saving throws or, you know, one of us failed, but everyone else passed. And you went, well, I just needed you all to be undead. Aha, uh-huh. you railroaded a situation. You forced your story onto the player characters rather than letting them get infected, only one of them being turned into an undead and the rest now having to solve this problem. Yes, that wasn't your original idea, but remember, it's a collective story, not your story. So that's, 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 I mean, so you make a mistake, reflect, look upon it and go, oh, it was such a bad rules call. Apologize for making a bad rules call. But then try and remember that rule moving forward. So that will be it. Uh, Find your role-playing system, but explore others. This is an important one. Um, I didn't do this enough. I became very pig-headed when I was younger. I was like, no, Dungeons and Dragons is a story. is, is for me. I use Dungeons and Dragons when I'm using when I'm playing fantasy games. I use the Star Wars D20 when I'm playing Star Wars. And I use this for when I'm playing Star Trek. And that's it. And that's all I'm doing. Thank you very much. I don't want to just look at Vampire. I don't want to look at White Wolf. I don't want to look at that. Just no. I, those are my systems, and that's it. I don't need any other systems. Such a mistake. And the reason why I say that is not because looking at other systems is going to necessarily make you a better GM, but other systems oftentimes have rules in them for things that, say, Dungeons & Dragons don't have necessarily. Social engagement rules or ideas on how to control large groups of people. For example, there might be a rule system out there that you go, wow, that had a really cool idea for how to track the ranking of knights within the the world. I'm going to bring that across. So expose yourself to as many different role-playing systems as possible. Preferably not just reading them on your own. Rather, try and find a GM who knows about these kind of systems and then engage with them and talk with them and say, well, why do you like this system? What is it about this? How do you do that? How does magic work? So that you can start to get a bigger, fuller picture. Then, if it sounds interesting, start to explore it and start to play it. So there is that. But find your core system. If you're a new GM especially, find a a system that works for you. And once you've found it, try and then master the system. Because what that will do is it will take away all the pressure of having to now uh, learn a new rule system so you can play the game. But also you will now start to remember the rules for that rule system to the point that, okay, I don't need to worry about making right or wrong rules call because I know what the rules call is. I've had so much experience with this particular system. I'm now familiar with it. So I no longer have that burden on my shoulders. Now I can just go back to the focus of the plot and the story and the events and triggering a great time for my group and then finally finally and and lastly and no that was it that was actually it that was the final last one <laughs> i apologize um i was so enthused in that i was like oh but there's more there must be more there's so much more wish i wish i'd known um what, what else should i know the last piece which i'm going to give you this is a bonus one as far as i can yeah this is a bonus one respect your fellow players I cannot tell you enough. We are in an age where we are learning to respect one another in a, in a, such a different way. And 
it's all about deciding what type of person you are. Are you are, the, are you going to be the type of person who, when someone sits down at your table, you say, this is my table, you will respect my values and principles? Or are you the kind of person who says, sit down at this table, what are your rule? What are your morals, what are your principles, what are your pronouns, all those kinds of things, and then try to include that in yourself, in your speech. If it doesn't cost you anything, why not if it makes somebody else happier? Of course, if it affronts you, if it's something like, oh no, I'm sorry, I, 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 I don't play with Nazis, um, then that's your call as well. But respect one another and say, okay, cool, these are my boundaries. These are my things that I don't want to talk about. I don't want to deal with this kind of talk. There's no tentacles in this game. They upset me. Make sure everyone respects that. That's an important fundamental that I wish I had known before I started playing is to get that social contract. That's the buzzword. Get that social contract out the way. Anyway, that's my mega long video, 20 odd minutes or however many minutes it was on 10 things I wish I knew before I started role playing. I hope this has helped you, but at the, at the very least, I hope it's inspired you to take on the mantle of being a GM. Just do it. Just do it. You can. You can absolutely do it. It's what this whole channel has been about from the very beginning. And we're doing a big dive again to, to reinvigorate ourselves, to go, yes, this is something that any anybody can do and you just need to just relax and have fun and, and maybe remember some of these 10 things. I, I, I don't know. What are your 10 things? What things do you wish you had known before you joined or started role-playing? Leave your comment down below, please. I love reading them and I do read them. And you'll notice that there's always a little, a little heart from comments that I absolutely agree with or a like from comments that I disagree with because ultimately that's the nature of our hobby. We're going to enjoy some, not enjoy others. But we are all free to express our opinions on the matter. Welcome to the Black Void. The Black Void is a TTRPG system that's been around for a while now and has successfully had a series of products released based around this D12 TTRPG. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, I suggest you follow the link down below to Drive Through RPG, where you can find this uh, rather remarkable book and rule set. Now, they have just successfully run a Kickstarter. It's over, but don't worry. That's why they are talking about it today. They are today's sponsors. Now, they ran a Kickstarter for a new book called Under Nebulous Skies, which is a campaign setting. You can see the images on screen now absolutely beautiful layout as one has come to expect from Black Void as a matter of fact and uh, so they ran this Kickstarter it's over but the pledge manager is still open and you can find a link down to that pledge manager and you can go in there and adjust and pick up a copy of Under Nebulous Skies. It's packed full of really, really cool and different stuff, which I quite like. There's some, some, yeah, anyway, you, you've seen the images. The book speaks for itself. I think it could be something that's really, really awesome to add to your bookshelf um, and and just to, to expand your horizons. Anyway, until next we meet in the Black Void, I wish you and yours the very happiest of gaming.